Would you open to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 14 to 28, in a message entitled, Kingdom Arrival. Luke 11, verses 14 to 28. And would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges." But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil." Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, and finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. And he said these things, a woman, and as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Would you pray with me? Father, we confess that we are needy. We need your help to understand your word. And we pray that you would bless us with your presence in a special way, that your Holy Spirit would help us understand and hear and obey and be encouraged and strengthened by your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Maybe seated. We started in the Gospel of Luke uh, about a year and three months ago. If you remember, the first three chapters of the Gospel of Luke were about the arrival of Christ, the birth of Christ. And then in verse chapters 4 to the, towards the end of chapter 9, verse 50 of chapter 9, Luke was focusing on the miracles of Christ, the powerful works of our Lord Jesus Christ. And really that section focused mainly on miracles, healing and casting out demons, doing 
powerful works that showed who he was, that he was the divine son of God, the Messiah who had come to rescue sinners from judgment. And then in chapters 9, verse 51 to chapter 19, verse 27, this section focuses on the teachings of Christ, the words of Christ, the message of the kingdom. We saw multiple messages on prayer, multiple messages on what Jesus says about money and possessions, and also what Jesus taught us how to treat the marginalized. So this section is the main section of the Gospel of Luke on the teachings of Christ. More parables in this section than anywhere else. And, and then finally, towards the end of the Gospel of Luke, the sufferings of Christ in chapter 19, verse 27, through chapter 23, and finally, the resurrection of Christ in chapter 24. Luke is communicating really the, the message of the kingdom of Christ in his birth and his powerful miracles, his teachings, culminating in his suffering on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. In the passage that we have today, we see that in Jesus is the arrival of the kingdom of God. Now, we know that God is ruling and reigning over all. And so it's not just the general rule of God. So a lot of times we think of the kingdom of God as coming under the rule and reign of God in our hearts. And we find in Jesus, in the arrival of the kingdom of God, it is an already but not yet kingdom. It's come, it's been inaugurated with the coming of Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection, but it's not come in full one day at the return of Christ. It will come in full at the consummation of the kingdom of God. This is his messianic kingdom where Christ is ruling and reigning, and we find in Jesus, in the miracles, he is putting on display before the people that he is God in the flesh. His divine power is on display. John, the gospel writer, speaks of his signs and that his signs tell of his glory. They saw his glory in the signs. I want us to see four things together today. Number one, the miracles of Jesus. Number two, the opponents of Jesus. Number three, the knowledge of Jesus. And number four, the teaching of Jesus. And as we go through, uh, my prayer is that we will see Jesus high and lifted up, that we will bow down before him in his glory and majesty, that we will surrender in every way to his rule in our hearts, and that we will trust him completely. Let's look at number one, the miracles of Jesus. Verse 14. Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. 
When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. This is one verse that condenses it all together because this is focused on the teaching of Jesus. Remember, in the previous section that focused on the miracles of Jesus, we have the full account, the narrative of the accounts of Jesus casting out demons and healing. But here it's just one verse. Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. If we go back to chapter four, verse 31, where it says, and he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon and cried out with a loud voice, ha, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And the people were amazed. They said to one another, what is this word for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Jesus has authority and power over the demons. They recognized who he was. Even in the account in chapter four, the demon said, have you come to destroy us? And the answer is yes. Yes, because in Jesus is the arrival of the kingdom of God and his miracles are putting on display his power, his authority, that he is the divine son of God. They are to take note. This miracle account is the platform for the teaching about the kingdom. So let's look at number two, the opponents of Jesus in verses 15 to 16. But some of them said, he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. He had critics. He cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Attributing to the power of Jesus on display, attributing that to Satan. Seeing that Jesus was doing his work, they were critics of his ministry. There were also skeptics. While others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven, he will respond in verses 29 to 32 that he himself is the sign. He is the sign from heaven. And he teaches them something greater than Solomon is here and something greater than Jonah is here. And in the same way that Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, something greater than Jonah is right among them. Jesus himself is the sign. There's always opponents to the kingdom. 
Jesus had opponents who were constantly harassing him, and there are opponents to the kingdom to this day. There's critics and there's skeptics. But Jesus knew their hearts. Look at number three, the knowledge of Jesus, verse 17a. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them. It wasn't just that he knew what they might be thinking. It wasn't that he just, he knew their position their constant criticism, the way they always stood against him. No, Luke is emphasizing that he knew their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking. In Psalm 139, verses 1 to 2 and verse 4, David says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Jesus knew their thoughts. He showed his divinity and his power and his authority over demons. He cast out the demons. And he showed his divinity in knowing their thoughts and teaching them in response. Let me just say this. Jesus knows your thoughts and he knows my thoughts. He knows every word before it's formed on your tongue. He knows your worries, your anxieties, your fears. And his response is to move towards us and to teach us. To use the opportunity as a platform for us to know him more to reveal more of himself in the circumstance. So maybe in the days to come, even as you are concerned and find yourself fretting and worrying, maybe it would be that in these days that you would come to know Jesus, the King, more and more, and that you would love him more and that we would trust him more as a result of going through what we're going through right now in this time in our lives. The miracles of Jesus, the opponents of Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus, he knows our thoughts, which leads us to the teaching of Jesus, number four, and this is where I want to spend most of the time. Verses 17b to 28, the teaching of Jesus. Notice, first of all, in this section, that he gives a compelling argument in verses 17b to 20. Watch the logic in this. He knows their thoughts, 
And he says to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a divided household falls. You know this from experience. We know this in every organization, in every government, in every little kingdom on the earth. If it's divided, it can't stand. It will fall. Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? What's the implied answer is it can't. For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. When he, when he says sons, he's not talking about physical descendants. He's talking about their pupils. Kind of like the sons of the prophets. These were the sons of the religious leaders. They were the pupils, and they were casting out demons. And they were attributing it to the power of God. And yet they were attributing Jesus casting out demons to the power of Satan. And Jesus says, if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, Jesus uses the language finger of God and taking them back to the Old Testament multiple times in the book of Exodus and also Deuteronomy and also the Psalms where the finger of God is the power of God. O oh Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And he talks about the, the works of your fingers. You have the, the moon and stars which you've set in place, talking about the power of God, His creative power. The finger of God is also used when speaking about God speaking on the mountain and writing His words, the Ten Commandments, on the stone, on the stone tablets. They were written by the finger of God, by the, the power of God. And Jesus says, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to overthrow the demonic kingdom. And it was in his miracle working, but ultimately it culminated in his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. In Colossians chapter 2, 
Verse 13 and following, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Yes, as the demon said, are you coming to destroy us? He was coming to overthrow them and put them to open shame, make them a spectacle. Through his life, death, and resurrection, this was the evidence that the kingdom had come. It's a compelling argument, logically airtight. What they're saying in attributing the work of Satan is inconceivable. The only answer it could be is that he brings the kingdom of God, and the kingdom is in their midst. The finger of God, the power of God, is how he is casting out demons. And therefore, the kingdom of God has come upon them. It's a compelling argument. But look also, an unmistakable comparison. Look in verses 21 to 22. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. The unmistakable comparison is that Satan is the strong man and Jesus, the Son of God, is the one stronger than him coming to, over, to attack him and overcome him. And the evidence that he is overcome is that Jesus is casting out demons. Jesus is the one stronger than the strong man. Yes, he's strong. Jesus is stronger, and he's demonstrating that the kingdom has arrived in Jesus. It's an unmistakable comparison. But also, he gives a strong warning. Look at verses 23 to 26. He says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now keep going. We've got a paragraph break here, but keep going because the thought stays together. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. There's a warning. You see, remember, their sons were casting out demons by the power of God. 
demons were coming out. And they could be put together and be moral and good citizens and, and live a, a, a happy life according to earthly standards. But the reality was that their lives were not transformed. The message of the kingdom was not coming with the casting out of the demons. Jesus, as the king of the kingdom, was not their focus. They were casting out demons. But Jesus is saying, if you're not with me, you're against me. And if you don't gather with me, you're scattering. You're actually making a mess. Yes, demons are coming out, and people are free in that way. But they've not been set free by the gospel. Jesus is not the center of the teaching, and therefore, it's fine, the demons are gone, but they're not delivered ultimately from what they need to be delivered from. And these Jewish exorcists were really just scattering the flock of God. He says, then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. See, the message of the kingdom of Christ is not a moral makeover. It's not about being upright in your own righteousness. It's about being transformed by the power of the gospel, surrendering to the King of kings and Lord of lords, coming under the rule and reign of King Jesus and living in freedom for eternity. Compelling argument, an unmistakable comparison, a strong warning, but finally a concluding exhortation. Look at verses 27 to 28. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Jesus was focused. He had a, a laser focus on speaking the Word of God and delivering the Word of God to the people. Remember, he was the prophet like unto Moses, and they were to hear and listen to every word that he said. He was the Word of God made flesh. And yes, Mary was a precious woman. And I can't even imagine the blessing that she had in giving birth to the Savior of the world and raising him. But Jesus is focused on hearing the word of God and doing it, believing it. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted with good things, lesser things. He wants people to hear the word of the kingdom. 
which is repent and believe. The king has come. The kingdom is inaugurated. It's coming in full one day. We're waiting for that arrival. But in Jesus, the kingdom has come. In Jesus, the captives are set free through his life, death, and resurrection. And everyone who puts their trust in Jesus is delivered. The enemy has been overthrown. The captives have been set free. And we're on our way home. We're headed towards our home, trusting in Jesus, looking to Jesus. And during this time now, as we deal with conflicts and struggles and crises of faith, we look to our King and trust in our King, knowing that He will take us all the way home. He will not leave us nor forsake us. He's a good King. He's a faithful King. And we can trust Him all the way home. The main focus of this teaching is that Jesus is the King. In him, the kingdom has arrived. He's demonstrated through his power and his authority that he is the divine son of God. He knows our thoughts. And he teaches us the message of the kingdom. Repent and believe on Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would help us to hear and understand and apply. Lord, thank you that you know our thoughts, and you know what we need, and by your spirit, you can take your word and apply it to our hearts and speak directly to our hearts. So God, change us, free us from distractions, Free us from the good things that maybe we've not prioritized the best things. Help us to focus upon the Word of God, listening to you, abiding in you, and loving you by keeping your commands. Lord, thank you. And I pray that if there's anyone here today that doesn't yet know you, that by the power of the gospel that you would open blind eyes, that you would raise the dead even among us today, and that you would set the captives free to love and to follow Jesus. Lord, would you do that for your glory? In Jesus' name, amen.